Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. How many of you ready for the word of the Lord today? Man, I'm so excited. We're in this new series called Let's Dive In, and it's really an overview of the Bible. And um, I just want to say this, that it's so cool to be a part of a life-giving church. Last week, we baptized six people, and um, and we did a, a marriage renewal, a vow renewal this last week. And then we had three people baptized today. And um, I've got two funerals, and you're thinking, man, oh, man, what's the great thing about funerals? But I've got two funerals this week coming up. And how many of you know that you can bring Jesus into the center of the worst of situations, and those situations get better? And so I want you to realize that when you said yes to Jesus... I want you to know that you were brought into the family of God. And while the family of God, it's worldwide. You're going to, if you get a chance to travel, you're going to meet other people that are just like you, but very different from you, but they're like you because they love Jesus, just like you. Wherever you go on the planet, you're going to find them. But I want to just say that we belong to a pretty awesome family right here in Rupert, Idaho, come on, fulfilled with surrounding towns, and, and I just tell you, I wouldn't want to be any, any other place than right here, right now. And um, so we're in this series called Let's Dive In, and the whole idea is to encourage you to fall more and more in love with God through His Word. How many of you know that we live in crazy times? I mean, there's a lot of details that are coming out about who all went to the island, and we've got inflation issues, and we've got wars and rumors of wars, and and we're coming up on a political year. Pray for Davina and all of the people that, that are serving in that capacity, and it's just wild and crazy. But I want to just remind you that while our world is changing Ever so quickly, there's one thing that remains the same, and that is God's Word. And listen, God's Word is relevant regardless of what it is that's going on. Amen? And so, so I love this series. In fact, I was reading a, um, an article just this last week. There's a school out in Vermont, and Vermont has been pretty, pretty hard on... Uh, um, on, on faith groups. And anyway, there's this incredible Christian school that's really teaching the students the biblical truths and foundations of God. And they're teaching about, you know, that, that there's no confusion whenever it comes to gender and identity. And they're just doing really good things. And they've got an incredible sports program as well. And their basketball team's always done really well in football and all of this. And Anyway, they were really challenged. Are we going to be faithful to what it is that we believe or are we going to be swayed easily? And what I'm talking about is their girls' basketball team, they were coming up and they were playing a new, uh, they were playing a school. And this year, the school had adopted the idea of allowing a transgender, a biological male to play 
on the female basketball team. Now, this Bible school, this Christian school, this private school, they didn't make a big deal out of, out of, out of you know, hey, listen, we're going to go protest and do all these things. All they did all they did was say, listen, we're just going to forfeit the game because the lessons that we're trying to teach our students are more important than winning a certain game. So not an easy, not an easy decision, I'm sure, to make, but this was an opportunity for them to stay true to God and what God's word says. And, and anyhow, they were really come against by the state and and the, uh, the you know the whole the whole school system and and um, and they wanted because of this decision being faithful and true to what it is that they believed they wanted to kick them out of the possibility the potential of playing any sports let alone basketball and they wanted to strip them of all scholarship opportunities and I'm just telling you this I want you just to lean in real quick if you think that we live in a day and a time where you're going to be true to your convictions and there's not going to be any ramifications, you are in fantasy land. It is going to cost you to stand up and be a Christian. And the question is this, are you going to fold under the culture, uh, cultural pressures or are you going to stand up? It's not like you have to go picketing or anything, but you're going to stand up and say, this is why I live the way I live, because I believe that Jesus Christ and his word is true. I'm telling you this, church, that the word of God is a map by which we are called to live our lives. And it's not a buffet. Like you cannot come into this house and say, well, I believe this, this, and this, but as far as these other things, you know what I'm saying? I think God got it wrong. You either believe that he is 100% right and you're willing to go his way, or you're just gonna be a little bit in and a little bit out, and there's no possible way that you can live a life pleasing to God with that. And I fully believe that God is able to take somebody that's like this and make them one way or the other. They're either gonna go all the way back into the world or they're gonna come along because his grace and his mercy is so rich and his love is so great. They're gonna say, man, oh man, I need to start standing up for some things and, and stand up for the things that God says are important. Amen? All right. So the Bible is important. The idea, let's dive in and read more of it, consume it, because it will, it will bring nutrition come on to your life. Three verses that you can experience. Matthew chapter 4 says this, and Jesus answered, he says, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now listen, I don't know about you, but when people start talking about bread, you got my attention. I love bread. I love me some bread. I love me some Texas Roadhouse and I love me some Olive Garden. And I've got a problem every single time that I go to one of these places where they they bring out baskets of bread. It's not a problem, but it's an issue because I am so full by the time my main meal comes. You know what I'm saying that I take it home with me and I've got something. Why? Because I've filled up on on bread. And I'm just telling you this that 
Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How many of you know that there is nutrients that the word of God gives that there's nothing else in this world, it, it, it can't even come close to giving you. Come on, it is eternal and it is powerful. It'll be good for you today, it'll be good for you tomorrow, and it'll be good for you in eternity. God's word nourishes at a level that nothing else can. Psalm chapter 119, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light from my path. I want you to realize and lean in, young people. If you're younger than I am, then you're a young person. Um, I want you to realize that this word is for you. I love the testimony that we heard just this last week. Cree Milliron just graduated from high school praying about what it is that God wants him to do. Do I go to this college, that college? What am I supposed to do? Guess what? He prayed, didn't get an answer. And so what I love about Cree is the tenacity by which he lives. He's like, listen, I'm going to pray again because I don't have time to get it wrong. And so he prayed again. Guess what? No answer. And then he's contending, Lord, I don't want to make a mistake here. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to go to YWAM? Am I supposed to go to college? If so, what college? And the Lord directed his steps to go to YWAM. We got a chance to pray for him last week and send him out as a missionary into the world. Amen? And I want you to know this, that just because you don't receive, come on, the answer quickly, it doesn't give you a pass to stop asking. And I love that. We can learn that from a young man. We can do it as old men and women too. Not calling you old. I'm just calling myself that. Romans chapter 10 says this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I want you to know this, that by diving into the word of God, it will fuel your faith. It will increase your faith. Like you might be in a space where you're like, man, I don't have much faith. I don't have much faith. The first thing I would ask you is how much you've been reading and how much, how much time have you been spending in prayer? Reading and prayer, it has an ability to fuel our faith. And I believe that that's why we're here today, right? We're here today to, to, to be given something, to receive something from God that we can take outside of these four walls and begin to distribute Come on to our families, distribute to the people, the men and women that we get a chance to work with and to distribute even to the stranger that's on the street. Amen. Maybe it's going into the jails. I love Jed. He, he, uh, he, he goes into the jails. He's one of the leaders of the chaplain groups and he's been a longtime part of our church here. And he called me about four weeks ago and he said, Pastor T, is it okay? I'm going to the jail. Is it okay that I re-preach your message? I said, I'll send it over and any others that you want. Man, oh man, take it, give it, use it. Amen. And I'm just saying that you don't have to be an expert in any, like who really is an expert? Certainly not me, but we don't have to be experts to be able to be used by God. Amen. Sometimes it's just a willing heart. But the truth is, is, is God's word can be intimidating. I'm just being honest with you. I literally graduated high school not reading one book other than like see, spot, run. I grew up in a good time. I don't know. I, they, they would have just, I would have been stuck in the fifth grade still today as a 27-year-old. You know, Travis, you got to come up. You got to come up. And uh and so I graduated not liking to read, not, not having any comprehension. 
You know, I don't know if I had some learning disability or something. I can tell you what, it's healed now. But um, the beautiful thing about this is, is that when I got saved, there was a desire that God had put in my, in my, in my being just to get to know this God that had been so good to me because it was a radical salvation. He brought me out of just a bunch of garbage. And so, but this is the deal is, is that I was a terrible reader I, and I'm talking terrible. I promise you probably worse than anybody in this room. So I couldn't read. And then certainly I really couldn't comprehend anything that I was reading. And then third, on top of that, my grandpa, he loved me so much that he wanted me to know God's word so much. Every single Bible he gave me, and this was really all that was around back then, was the King James Bible. And so I didn't even speak the language by which I was reading. And he just wanted me to know God's word so well. And that's a, that's, that was a joke. <laughs> Some people are super offended right now. I read the King James. How dare you come against my... Lighten up. So anyway, I would read and I would ask myself, I mean, I would read just a little bit, sometimes a whole half a page. You know, those old Bibles, they were all in half pages and a lot of them even today, but I would read just even a half of a half page and I'd ask myself, what do you get out of that? Absolutely nothing. And so I would reread that little section again. And what would you get out of that? Nothing. And I'd read maybe a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, I would, I would get stuff. And, and it would encourage me to continue on. So I'm telling you that just because it's difficult doesn't give you a pass not to do it. You can start any other book on the planet and you can be like, what a waste of time and chuck it or give it away to your best friend. You know what I'm saying? Or your worst enemy, give it away so they can waste their time. But the Bible is not that book. You can't do that with the word of God, man. You need it. So, so work through it and I promise you that God will be faithful and show you things. I want to show you some studies up on the screen. This is a study from LifeWay, and this is adult Bible users from the year 2011 to 2023. I told you last week that there was a huge decline. Check out 2011, which is all the way over here, 2012, 2013, 2014. It goes up to 2023, but you'll see that there's, there's pretty good balance, and then we got a big peak. We got a good spike in 2014 and and then it levels back off a little bit 2015 if you go to 2021 there's another big spike and I believe that that's because of COVID and it's so true that whenever things begin to happen in our world that are unexplainable and people begin talking about is this the end times and whatnot? Like it gets our attention and what do we do? We drive into God. We drive, we start going back to church and we drive into God. And then when things are peaceful and fine, we start relying on our own selves and we go away from God. What scares me and what is super sad is in 2022 and 2023, there's a cliff. It's like you're going along, there's a spike, and then all of a sudden, there's a huge drop off on the cliff. And I'm telling you this, in a time where I believe people need to be reading their Bibles more, people are going away from their Bibles quickly. And these are adults, these aren't children. These are adults, I'm just telling you, Press into God's word. Fall in love with God's word and be consistent in your reading 
of God's word. Why is it that this is happening? Well, there can be a lot of different reasons. Number one, maybe we don't know where to start. We don't know where to begin. That's the reason for a series on the Bible, diving in. If you're here and you don't know where to begin, a great place to start is the book of John. We'll talk about that just a little bit more, but it's in the New Testament. It starts with Matthew, Mark, and then Luke and John. These are four accounts of the same story by different men, but John is a beautiful place to start. I'm going to tell you why here in just a few moments. But number two, we have a difficult time relating to it. It's like, how do we in 2023 relate to ancient texts that was written so long ago that seems such, you know, so outdated and this and that? And I'm just telling you this, that it is relevant today. It's more relevant than anything else is is in your life. I promise you that. Number three, the layout is confusing. Like, let's say we took somebody that didn't know anything about church, nothing about the Bible, and they just said, listen, I'm going to start reading my Bible because I believe that that's what God wants me to do, and maybe I'll find some answers. And so you find yourself to the New Testament, and you just read about Jesus' birth, you read about his life. You read about, you know, his, his, him being crucified and then raising again from the dead. And then you read about the ascension. And then the next chapter that you read is him as a baby again. And you're like, man, this doesn't make sense at all. It's like reading one or watching one of those movies where, where they're always flipping back and forth from the past to the present, from the past to the present. From the, some people are really, really good at this. My wife is good at amazing things, but she's not good at this. She's always asking me, what, 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 I don't understand. I said, they went back in time. Now, wait, 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 they're in the present now. Now they're in the present now. And so, and so like that can be super confusing, but if you don't realize and have somebody to come along and say, listen, this is the same story being told by different people and their perspectives. Oh, that totally makes sense now. But you might just take your Bible, fold it up and put it away and say, that's just crazy. It doesn't make any sense. No way I can get anything good out of that. And then the last one is, is they don't know necessarily how to apply the stories that are found in the Bible to their personal lives. This is why, church, we need more Bible studies. We need to have more Bible. Today is Grace Group Rally Day. We've got our Grace Groups. You'll find we've got some Bible studies out there, and we've got some other groups out there. All groups are important. But I'm telling you, we live in a day and a time because of the graph that we just seen. We need more people, not necessarily experts to lead a Bible study, but more people that are willing to lead a Bible study. And if you want some help, what we'll do is we'll find you a good, a good book to go through, to lead people through. There's so many incredible resources. Pastor Matt is going to come up here and share with you one of his favorite resources right now. Put your hands together for Pastor Matt. Awesome. I'm showing you my copy of the Merged Gospels. This is the fourth edition. The fifth edition is out now. The Merged Gospels is an incredible book put together by scholars and theologians who translated every one of the Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they translated them directly from the Greek into the English and put them together in one flowing story. If you know anything about the Gospels, you'll know that different Gospels have different stories in them. And so the Merged Gospels puts them all together 
in a flow, in order. And it's an incredible resource, and I'd highly, highly recommend it to you. You can buy it anywhere you buy books, but if you buy it directly from the author's website, um, your, all of your money is going to go to support their ministry efforts. And so I really encourage you to do that. It's called The Merged Gospels, and I think you would really like it if you dove into it. Awesome. Pastor T. How many of you are grateful that we're all about trying to resource people as well, right? We're not just saying, hey, just go out on your own and, and, and whatnot. But I remember I hadn't been saved very long, and I started going to my pastor's church, Pastor Norman Rutson's church in Caldwell, Valley Pentecostal Church. And, and, um, and we hadn't been there very long and hadn't been there very, you know, hadn't been saved long at that but there was a couple kent and cheryl rusi they had a a big house with a huge yard right close to the church and and what they would do is every sunday they would invite 10 to 20 couples over to their house and they would cook us hamburgers and hot dogs so we would have a feast come on somebody how many of you hungry right now i'm a little bit hungry myself but we would have this feast and then we would play a game like volleyball and we would just get all wore out tired out, all these married couples and kids and things like that. And then we would end the night with a Bible study. Kent, every week, and he wasn't a Bible scholar, he wasn't a Bible teacher, but every week he would put together a Bible study and he would teach for about 10 minutes and then he would open it up to questions or what do you think this meant when it talked about that? And what do you think? And I'm just saying this, that there's no reason why we can't have a few more groups, 10 more groups of people that are willing to say, listen, come on over to my house and let me serve you. But I'm going to serve you food and we're going to have fun. But also we're going to talk about the best thing that we could talk about Come on, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's just, I know, it's like I'm a long way away from you. Maybe it takes a while for you to get that word, but amen, like, amen. There we go. Okay, all right, all right. A little delayed result. I was like, it's coming, it's coming. Waves, it's coming. So today we're looking at the Gospels. We looked at the Old Testament last week, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, first four books of the New Testament. You might be saying, what is the word gospel? We don't use that word. That's kind of a weird word. It comes from the Greek word euangelion. And euangelion means the good news. The gospel is the good news to anybody, come on, that receives it in Jesus' name. I just love that. I grew up in a small town, very, very small town, even smaller than Rupert, Idaho. I grew up in Umatilla, Oregon. Umatilla is right as you cross from Oregon over into Washington. Going into the Tri-Cities, they've got this awesome bridge and bypass now. So if you close your eyes for one and a half seconds, you're going to miss Umatilla, which is down on your left as you're crossing over into Washington. But a small town, great town to grow up, to be a young boy. I lived in the country of Umatilla, outside of the city limits, and I lived, grew up right on the Columbia River. And I'm telling you, we had hundreds of acres of BLM land right between my house and the Columbia River, which was only about maybe 200 yards. And so we grew up building forts. We grew up fighting one another. We grew up sword fighting with sticks. We grew up bird hunting with BB guns, and we grew up, we grew up playing outside. Come on, we grew up getting a lot of vitamin D. We grew up swimming and fishing and 
running around. We grew up riding horses. I rode hours and hours and hours. My horse, Morsi the horsey. That's right. Morsi had a funny name, but boy, was she fast. Morsi the horsey. We grew up, we grew up riding three-wheelers, which was dangerous in itself. Anybody grow up riding three-wheelers? You can't get a three-wheeler, I don't think, anymore because, uh, well, they're dangerous. And uh, we need more danger in our children's life. Listen, quit being so... You said it. I didn't say it. We need to, we need to let our kids... Yeah. <laughs> we, oh, don't let him do that. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how we, anybody over 50 here? Anybody close to 50 here? How did you survive? How did you survive? Okay, that's enough. That's enough of that. And all the young people there like, yeah, but look at you. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at you. Like, you couldn't have done things better? Really? You're going to go up there and... <laughs> Okay, touche. You're right. Let's meet in the middle. All right. So anyway, we're out there, and a lot of times we'd be far away from home, and, and when it was dinner time, we might be a mile away, and what was cool about our house is out on the front porch, we had this huge triangle, big old country triangle. Maybe you've seen them on old movies and things like that, but when it was dinner time, my mom, dad, or whoever, man, they would get out there, and it wasn't just like ting, 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 ting. This thing was like it had a rod, and the whole thing was just iron, and, and they'd be like, rawr, 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 and you could just hear that for a mile away, and what happened when you hear that bell ringing, well, you come running because you know that something good was going to be served up. I'm just saying, what would it be like if we could get back to the place and time where the word of God is so satisfying that whenever we say, man, there's a Bible study tonight or there's a small group or my goodness, there's church to go to that we're just like, it's like, man, we should probably go. We haven't been in, in two or three weeks, but we get so excited because we're going to be nourished by the word of God and it's going to equip us to take it outside of these walls and share it with somebody else. Amen. So euangelion, it's, the, it's where we get the word evangelism because evangelism, what it really means is to ring the bell or to proclaim the good news. Early Christians, come on, they didn't, they didn't come up with this word. They actually took it from Rome because there was a gospel, there was a euangelion, there was a gospel before the gospels like we know them. There was a gospel of Caesar. And this was an earthly kingdom, and it was an earthly gospel. How many of you know that they oftentimes treated Caesar as Lord or even, even a god? I'm, I'm told that they were even church services where they, would, where they would go and they would worship you know, Caesar. And so imagine this. These early Christians come along, and, 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 and they're saying things like this. Like, I know that you've heard of the gospel of Caesar, but let me tell you something about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let me tell you something about a gospel that's not just for this kingdom here on earth. Come on, but it's an eternal kingdom. It's called the kingdom of heaven. Amen. I just absolutely love that. 
So what is the gospel? The gospel is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection, offering salvation and reconciliation with God to all who believe. And that's the important part is you've got to believe. And I'm sure glad that somebody shared the good news. I'm glad that somebody rung the dinner, the dinner bell sharing the good news with me. And I'm sure glad that somebody shared the good news, the gospel, the euangelion with you. And you are saved. And your name is written in that Lamb's Book of Life today. Another question is, why are there four Gospels? Why are there not just one Gospel? And, and I want you to know this, that I'm going to tell you this in a story format, but in the 1600s, the King of England was King Charles I. And there was a group of people that wanted to capture in the form of a statue who it was that King Charles was. And they wanted to grab hold of and display all of his characteristics. But the problem was, is the number one artist that, that created statues wasn't in London. He was in Rome. And he wasn't about ready to go to London for any reason, even to serve a king in this capacity. So in London, what they did is they took some of the main artists or one main artist and they had them, they had him to paint angles, different angles of King Charles I, and these, these, these uh, picture paintings were in fine, fine detail, and when they were finished, took a long time, but when they were finished, they mailed it over to Rome, and that artist, that creator, I can't remember his name, the Italian guy, but he forms this statue of King Charles I, sent it back over, and it was every single thing that they had hoped for and expected. And if you think about that, like that's really what the gospel is. It's a different angle. It's the same story, but it's a different angle being spoken by four different people that give us a complete picture of who God is because God is trying to show himself, come on, to people that have never seen him in and through these four gospels. And it paints a beautiful picture. So why are there differences in the gospel? This is a good one. Why are there differences? Why does one gospel say this and another gospel says that? I'll give you some example. In the book of Matthew, there's one angel at the tomb. In the book of Luke, there's two angels at the tomb. Boy, that's kind of confusing. That just, there's somebody's lying here, right? In the book of Luke, from Jesus' birth, he goes from Nazareth to Bethlehem back to Nazareth, but but in the book of Matthew, from his birth, he, he, he leaves Bethlehem where he was born, goes to Egypt, and then goes to Nazareth. And so this is true of the entire Bible. The truth is this. There are differences, but there are no contradictions. And that is very, very important. In fact, that speaks to the validity of the, of, of the Bible and let me just share with you what Dr. Henry Van, uh, Van Dyke wrote. He said this, If four witnesses appeared before a judge to give an account of a certain event, let's just say they saw an accident, and they all told the exact same story in the exact same words, the judge would probably conclude not that their testimony was exceptionally valuable, but that the only thing certain was that they had agreed to tell the same story. 
boy, I know what this is all about. Have you ever been caught by a parent or caught by the law doing something that you weren't supposed to do? I've told this story a few different times, but I'm going to glass over it just a little bit. But my first vehicle was a Chrysler Cordoba. Man, it was, it was, it was pearl white. It had red leather interior. Everything was power. And boy, it had a lot of power under the hood too. You'd get that thing going and it would just float. You ever been in one of those old cars where they're just like, ooh, ooh. You're just like, man, it's just like, you got your favorite music playing. You're like, ooh. You're just like, it's so good. Man, we need to bring back the big cars. Well, anyway, I lived in McNary, which is right outside of uh, Umatilla. We'd kind of moved up in the world, you know, a little bit. The nice thing about growing up where I grew up, everybody was poor. And so you didn't know you were poor because everybody was in the same boat that you were. I don't know. I think there was like one or two kids that ever went to Disneyland in the entire time that I was. And so we were all just poor and happy to be poor and. But then I, I had a whole car load. I think it was even after football practice or something. But I had four of my best friends with me. I had one here and three in the back seat. You caught, probably could have put six of them back there. Definitely a couple more up front. But I had a pretty good car load. And I was feeling pretty cool. And I thought, man, there's this corner going on to Rio Cinda where I lived. There's this corner right by the golf course. Golf course here. There's this corner. And I thought, man, I'm going to get on it. And I'm going to drift this corner in this massive car. Well, it certainly took off, but it didn't, it didn't release like I was hoping that it released. And I'm telling you, man, I jumped a curb, and it wasn't these sissy little curbs that we have today. This was a curb, man. It was a curb. And I'm telling you, I hit that thing probably about 40 miles an hour and, and we were, I felt like the Dukes of Hazard. I felt, uh, we were airborne, like, whoo. And man, all the blood rushed out of my face. I had some, I had my, one of my best friends, Ernesto Ochoa, a dark Hispanic. His, his, his blood went out of his face. He was as white as I was. And, and we're, thank goodness there wasn't a house there. We're sitting out in the middle of this field just kind of still rocking, you know. I blew out all four tires. All four tires blew out all at once, and we're sitting there. And so I go to storytelling. I'm like this. I got audience. And I'm like, listen, this is what happened. We were coming. There was a car that was going. I had to push it. And this is the end result. And tell me the story. Tell me the story. Tell me the story. Tell me the story. It's like, okay, we're golden. I'm not going to get in trouble. The story was so good. And we all used the same words to tell the story. My dad wasn't no dummy. He was like, some doesn't add up. So he went to the one guy that he knew would fold. I'm not going to say his name, Dane Gardner. <laughs> I'm not going to say his name. But he went to this gentleman, and Dane just spilled the beans, man. And so my dad comes back to me. He's like, you're really going to stick with that star? I'm like, Dad, you, it was so scary. You know what I'm saying? Like, I saved those people's lives. There was a car. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> 
He's like, really? You're going to tell me? You want to just sit here and lie to me like that? (laughs) You ever been caught like that? Yeah, Yeah, I think I do. (laughs) I think I want to keep lying. (laughs) Don't don't I? (laughs) (laughs) But these are the four men telling the same story in in a different way. Matthew, Matthew, who is this guy by the name of Matthew? Matthew introduces the idea of Jesus being the king. His first name, his real name is Levi, changed to Matthew. But what you need to know is Matthew was a tax collector. There was no worse thing probably to be called than a tax collector back at that time. I loved, we were Wednesday night, I was just kind of giving a a brief overview of what we're going to be talking about here. And I'm like, man, what's the job occupation that would be like close to a tax collector today? And Tiffany Torres, she yells out, a car salesman. (laughs) And Jordan, her husband, is sitting right next to her, which is a car salesman. And he looks over at her like, you know, he says, I'm in finance now. So I guess... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I thought, <laughs> I thought that was so funny. I said, yeah, I use car salesmen in that. No. Um, but he, in Jewish culture, you need to know that he was a traitor. Like, like the Jews were under Roman oppression, and this Jew, which was a tax collector, was making money off of his own people and contributing to the oppression that they were already under. And so imagine whenever you were a traitor, you know, and I mean, you're turning on your own people. But this is the beautiful thing. When his name was changed to Matthew, Matthew actually means Yahweh's gift. See, God, whenever he came into contact with Matthew, he changed his entire identity. And I just want to park here. I've been kind of laughing a lot. But the truth is, is guys, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you've if you're a liar, a thief, if you're a murderer, if you've been with so many different people and you've been hurt and it doesn't matter, the worst of the worst things, it does not matter because the beautiful thing that I love about Matthew is he takes a person that didn't deserve to be, a, to be saved. I mean, none of us deserve to be saved, but he, the, like, the, like the furthest person from being able to write one of the most important books, he was a broken individual just like you and I, and he was used to write one of those great books. And so what this does is it just speaks about God's grace. And I want you to know that God's grace is for you today. You might be thinking, boy, I'm just, I'm a bum. You don't understand what I've done and, and, and how many bad mistakes I've made. I'm like, I don't have to. The Lord does. And he's always had his eye on you. So Matthew's audience was the Jews. And his message was this, that Jesus wasn't just another rabbi. He wasn't just another teacher. Rabbi means teacher, but he was the Messiah. He was the lion of the tribe of Judah. He was the king. He was the one prophesied to come, and that was his message. And I want you to realize there was over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. Jesus fulfills all of them. But if you were just to take eight of those prophecies, there was a great mathematician, I think I've got his name here, Peter Stoner, that did this, 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 the probability of just eight of those prophecies being fulfilled by Jesus. It would literally be like taking the entire state of Texas and filling it with half dollars 
two feet deep over the entire state, taking one of those half dollars, putting a mark on it, just making it different than all the others, taking a random individual, blindfolding them, say, listen, you can go anywhere in the entire state, dig through all those dollars and pick one of them out, and the probability of Jesus fulfilling eight of these prophecies that were prophesied in the Old Testament would be like that one person finding that one silver dollar come on in the whole state of Texas, which is two feet deep. Is that incredible? Come on, he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the Messiah. This is no accident, right? So Mark, we go to Mark. Mark comes at us from a different angle, a different view to show us who God is. His angle is, is that Jesus came to serve. Mark 10, 45, that even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. Mark was a first-generation Christian. Mark, Mark never really witnessed Jesus' ministry firsthand Come on, he was, he, was, he was brought up and mentored, discipled by Peter, and he was a companion of Paul. Imagine these two people being influential in your life. And, and you can see some of Paul's passion come through in Mark's writing. But he was a first-generation believer. And what I love about the book of Mark, Mark is written more like an action film where where John would be written more like a chick flick. And so like if you are really into action films, don't skip the book of Mark because it bypasses all of the genealogy and it goes right into Jesus' birth. It goes right into temptation and then miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Why? Because his audience are the Romans. They're not a bit interested in the genealogy of a servant. So he's like, listen, they want to know, tell me why to believe and what to believe and get right to the point. And that's at the speed by which Mark is written. He closes with Jesus giving the authority that he has to his disciples to perform the same type of miracles Come on, that he was performing. And I want you to know this, that in this church, a lot of churches don't believe in miracles for the day. But in this church, we do. And we're going to pray for miracles, and we will pray for you, and we're going to believe because we have prayed and we have seen that we still have this same power and authority, come on, as his followers, to come into agreement and see God do what no other man can do. The third one is Luke. Luke really focuses on Jesus being the son of man. He's fully God, but he is also fully man. Luke was a doctor. And what a better person to really grab hold of, of the humanity of people. Somebody that is concerned with their health. They spend all of their days with their health and their well-being and trying to get them you know what I mean? To have a, a better lifestyle. Come on. He grabs hold of the human experience. Luke was the only author of the four that was not a Jew. He was a Greek and his, and his message was really to other Greeks. That's who he was writing to. I mean, we all get out of this, but his message wasn't necessarily for the Jew. It was for, it was for the Greek. And so Luke, we find 
we, we find where he talks about the prodigal son and the good Samaritan. And, and we find the thief on the cross that didn't give one of his days, one hour really serving Jesus. But he says, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Luke highlights the important role that women make. In this day and age where he was writing this, it was countercultural. come on, to talk about the importance of women. But guess what? Luke broke through those barriers, not caring what people were going to think because the truth of God's word needed to be told. Let's see if we can have some more people not caring what people think. We're getting there. All right. He captures the hurt and pain of humanity, but he encourages people to trust in the Lord. Luke closes with the ascension, and his message is, is that Jesus came to restore a broken world. And then we've got the book of John, the hallmark movie of all of them, which is absolutely, it's not a, it's not a jab, but I'm telling you, like, every brand new Christian needs to start in the book of John, because John is different. The first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are what's called synoptic gospels, and they're written with similarities, but John breaks the mold, absolutely breaks the mold. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you've got people writing to the Jews, you've got people writing to the Greeks, and you've got people writing to the Romans, but John breaks the mold, and this is who John writes it to, to anyone and everyone that would be. And that's you and me. And so, so it's not to a certain people group. It's not for a certain time. It's not for a certain heritage, but it's for every single person that would believe. Come on, whoever you are and wherever you are, he wants you to know that there's a pathway to Jesus. See, John focuses on the completion and the perfection of Christ the last verse of John, this is beautiful, it says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing that you may have life in his name. Did you hear that? If you would just believe on Jesus, that that is going to give you life in his name. See, my heart is this, that you would know him. And when you think you know him, get to know him some more. Because come on, like our faith isn't about religion. Our faith is not a religion. I can tell you this by, you know, I'm not even grown up here, but how many of you know that we are surrounded by religion? There's a lot of religion, a lot of, lot of deep-rooted religion in our area from a lot of different churches, Right? And I'm telling you, some of us have had so much religion that it makes you sick to your stomach. See, our faith is not about religion. It's about relationship. And this is what I'm saying is, is that he came to be known. Like he knows you, but do you know him? Do you know Jesus or do you know about Jesus? And, and it's okay if the truth is, is you just know about Jesus but I want you to know that you're just at the beginning. His desire is, is for you to know him. Like, can you share with somebody the personal 
experiences and the personal relationship, come on, where God has shown himself faithful to you over and over and over and over again? Can you share that to somebody being 100% authentic to where they're going to be like, you know what? I need to know this man that you speak about, much like the woman at the well. Come in here. Come and let me tell you. Let me show you this person that knew everything that there was to know about my life. Next thing you know, they come. They're begging him to stay longer, and they're getting saved. Can you be part of that? Is that your life? And if it's not, I encourage you to get to know. That's why it's important to get in a Bible study. It's why it's important for more people to open up their house and take what you know and give it away. See, this isn't just information. This is an invitation to walk closely with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. The Old Testament, I'm closing with this. We got the sacrificial system that whenever somebody sinned or came up short, there had to be blood that was shed. An animal had to die, not to do away with the sin, just to push it back for a period of time. The idea of the Old Testament or the Old Covenant was that it was imperfect in all ways. There was no possible way that the Old Covenant would ever work, ever. So when it was established, God knew that it was for a period of time and that there was a better way, a complete way, and that way is in Jesus Christ. And so listen, after 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was a baby that was born in a manger in Bethlehem. And I'm so grateful for that life that was given to us. He grew up and he grew in stature and wisdom and favor with God. And man, as we see in Luke chapter 2 and verse 52, he lived a perfect, a powerful life. 33 years he lived. Only three of those years were real ministry. But then, come on, he was, he was, uh, he was charged and convicted of a crime that he did not do. And he was, he was sentenced to death. They said, listen, you've done these horrible things. We're going to take your life. And you know what he did? He willfully, even though he was innocent in all ways, he willfully, he said, I'll go. I'll go to the cross. Because he knew that he came for this very reason, to pay for a sin debt that belongs to you. And it belongs to you, and it belongs to you, and it belongs to you, it belongs to every one of you, and it belongs to me. It's a sin debt that not one of us could ever pay for. But he said, listen, I'll go. I'm innocent, but I'll go. The Bible said that he laid down his life willingly. He said that if you'll believe in me, that you'll be saved, and your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life, and you'll have eternal life, not only a good life here, not an easy life, but a better life here, but a better life in all of eternity. So he was killed. He was buried in a tomb for how many days? Three days. And he resurrected on the third day. Then he presented himself over several days to people, over 500 accounts of people witnessing him and seeing him. And then he ascended into heaven. Jesus is in heaven today. He's at the right hand of the Father. But this is the beautiful thing that he said. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. What's the promise? What's the promise? What's the promise? The Holy Ghost. We don't use spirit no more, remember? <laughs> What's the promise? 
The Holy Ghost. We're bringing the Holy Ghost back. It's fine spirit, but I'm bringing the Holy Ghost back. Give me a rag up here. I'm going to start wiping sweat. He promises the gift of the Holy Ghost, and that is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives inside of you. Come on, he is the comforter. He is the one that restores, helps to keep a restored relationship, come on, with the Father. The only reason, Genesis, broken relationship. Jesus, fulfilled, restored relationship. Holy Ghost, comforter, empower. Come on, keeps you in line to be led by the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit will not fulfill the lusts and the desires of the flesh. The flesh separates you from God. Sin separates you from God. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. My prayer, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, that you begin to ask God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, in power and in fire, so that you can do what it is that God has created and called you to do with a boldness. Not meek, not like, oh, I guess I'll try it. I might try to open my house up, have a little Bible study. No, I'm opening up my house. We're going to play volleyball. And I am going to put a word together. Everything might not be 100% right, but I'm going to do it and I'm going to be bold about it. And I, you can correct me later. But I'm telling you, man, God has called you. Get up off of your, as my grandfather would say, derriere, and begin to do what it is that you were created to do. Whatever that is, the Holy Ghost will be with you. God's word, come on, will lead you and guide you. I'm closing with this last scripture. Matthew chapter 11. Come to me. So Jesus is saying, come to me. And I'm just saying this, that if you're in an imperfect place today, if it seems like God is a million miles away and you're surrounded with chaos, the Lord himself, Jesus himself is saying, come to me, all you who are weak and burdened. All of you who are, are weary and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. And I'm just saying that that's his call for you. And so if you're here and something has is, something is moved in your, in your heart today where you're either supposed to take that next step or maybe you're supposed to come back to the Lord, he hasn't been a priority, or if you're here and you've never surrendered to the Lord, like now is the time. It's not something to consider. Let me ponder that just a little bit. Let me think about it just a little bit. Like the Holy Ghost is the one that is saying what that guy up there is saying is true. You feel this sensation. You feel this tug on your heart. There's only one thing that you're supposed to do and either respond to it or reject it. And I'm just saying this, that if you want to respond to it and say, my life belongs to Jesus, I've got sin in my life, I need to be forgiven of my sin, then just ask him who is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, and he will forgive you of your sins. 
If, 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 you're, if you're like, man, I've done that before, but I've just kind of picked up other things, then come back to him today. And so listen, on the count of three, and all I'm going to ask you to do is just to raise your hand, not hesitantly, not, not squirmishly, not like this, but I'm telling you, bold, raise your hand if you want to receive forgiveness in Jesus Christ and you want to say, I want him to be the Lord of my life. Then on the count of three, just put your hand in the air. One, two, three, all over the place. Thank you, Lord. 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 All over the place and online, online. Thank you. So make this prayer your own prayer. Lord, I thank you for today. And God, we've seen the statistics of people are going away from you when we should be running towards you. I believe that this is just another piece of fulfillment of the word of God, that there's going to be a great falling away, but there's also a great harvest. And I believe that all of this is just end times prophecy, Lord. And we are not afraid. It's not to make somebody fearful, but it's to make them prepared. That Jesus, we recognize that you're coming back for your bride, which is your church, which is all of us who are a part of that. And God, we're sorry. We're sorry that we've just come up short. We're sorry that we've known what to do, but yet we've, we've just done the wrong thing. And Lord, I know you understand humanity, God. You were tempted in all ways and you understand it. I'm not saying that you're okay with it, but you understand it. But Lord, right now, I just ask you that you would forgive us of our sins. Shoot, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my life, Lord. Baptize me anew and fresh in the Holy Ghost. Be my Lord, Lord. Let there be nothing else that takes priority over you. Be my Lord. You know, that has everything to do with me and my willingness to follow but God, you are the King of Kings. And even your approach to this whole matter is you could totally drive us to do whatever it is that you want. We would, we would have to follow. We would have to do. You have created. There's nobody like you. You are all powerful, all knowing. You could say you will do. And you could be a hard God. And you could be, you could be difficult, but you're not. You said this, come to me. If you're weary, come to me and I'll give you rest. Trust me. That's what we do today. We ask for forgiveness and we come to you. Lord, I just tell you that my life is not my own. It belongs to you. Be my Lord and I'm happy to serve you. Out of a heart's desire to please you because you've been so good to me, I'm happy to serve you. Send me and I'll go. Tell me and I'll do. Put words in my heart and I'll speak it. Regardless of what culture is doing around me, Lord, I will serve you and help me to love people the best that I possibly can, even in the hard times. I pray all these things in Jesus' name today. And everybody in the house said amen. And amen, amen. I want you to know that the Lord loves you all so much, and so do we. We love you. We love you, and we're not perfect, but we're going to do our best. That's it for today's teaching. 
Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.